welcome. You're listening to the second season of The Baker's Notebook, a podcast about home baking. I'm Stacy, a mom of two, and I enjoy baking with my kids when I'm not teaching biochemistry lab. And I'm Mia, a romance author and home baker. We're two longtime friends who met and bonded over the perfect apple pie. Bake along with us as we find new recipes to try. Listen as we compare notes about our successes and inevitable failures in the kitchen. Learn along with us as we come become better home bakers one recipe at a time. This week, we're baking buttermilk panna cotta by Lisa Donovan for food and wine. Bake along with us. Mia, do you want to tell us how you chose this recipe? Sure. Um, I've been interested in making panna cotta for years, but I never got around to it. Um, I have a dear friend named Nayush, whose husband used to own a restaurant, a pizza restaurant in Los Feliz, and she used to make the desserts for the restaurant. And this is years ago, but uh, I went for a dinner there and it was delicious. And I still think about this panna cotta that she made. What, what flavor was her panna cotta? Oh gosh, uh, it was in the, first of all, it was in this beautiful little mason jar and it had, um, it was, I remember we were there in the summertime, so it was really hot. Yeah. And um, it had dried mulberries on top. Oh. Super, super delicious. These dried, um, if you've never had a mulberry. I've never had flavor, a mulberry. Oh my gosh. The flavor is very, it's almost like candy. Okay. Because like when you're eating dried fruit, like for it's, me, I'm yeah. eating a raisin. Like it tastes yeah. like a raisin, right? Yeah. I don't have a lot of reference for mulberries. They're not terribly common in California, like in LA. No, no, they're not. And they're very delicate. And so it's even hard to find them um, at farmer's markets sometimes. But these were dried white mulberries, I think imported from the Middle East. And okay. they were on top of this panna cotta. And it was like one of the best desserts I've ever had. Oh, Wow. And it sounds so fancy, right? Panna cotta. It's yeah. also like it's a set dessert, like like Jello, right? It's yeah, not... which I didn't know. I I've actually never had panna cotta before. I've never had it. I've seen it. I've heard about it. Um, I've never made it, uh, but I had just assumed that it was like a custard. So I assumed it was going to be more like that. You would bake it in a water bath the way you bake creme brulee. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know we're a baking podcast, but panna cotta <laughs> is not baked at all. Like, no. It's, it's a very straightforward dessert. Occasionally we have these, right? Like our crepe mm-hmm. cake that you didn't need to use your oven. And this is one of those that you didn't need to use your oven. And I have to say, I think, you know, we, I went off on how easy that um, Basque cheesecake was, how it was like, oh my goodness, this is the easiest recipe you will ever make. And so, okay, I take that back. <laughs> this panna cotta <laughs> is the easiest recipe you'll ever it's make. It's so beautifully it's, easy. <laughs> it's a no-bake recipe, right? Um, mm-hmm. It's uh, we, we did have to use the stove, right? Yes. So mm-hmm. you do have to use your stove. So it is, there is, it is heated at some points. <laughs> but not even boiled, like just no. heat it a little bit and then yeah. turn off your heat and that's it. And so it's a perfect, I thought, would be a perfect time to try this dessert is when it's blazing hot Yeah, it's, in the middle of summer and you don't want to turn on your oven. And it's a cold dessert, right? Mm-hmm, so you refrigerate mm-hmm. it and you eat it cold. So it is so refreshing to have it that way. Uh, so what I, I have to ask you, uh, what 
It's so it's buttermilk panna cotta, and they suggest peeled and segmented blood oranges or other fresh fruit. So I want I'm going to ask you. So you you said you had it in a restaurant with dried mulberries. What did you do for this one? You know, it's so fun to to think about what to pair this with because it's um it has buttermilk in it, right. so it's a little tangy like yogurt. Yes. So I feel like any fruit you've got is going to taste really nice with this. Yes. Uh. It's not citrus season right now, but what we have in the farmer's market is, like, I feel, an ocean of stone fruit. So yes. peaches, apricots, plums. Um, I had some ripe, I think they're candy striped plums. And so when you cut them up oh. on the inside, they're oh, kind of like... yeah, like zebra yeah. pattern. Mm -hmm. Yeah, those A are little so bit pretty. like that. Yeah. And so I had one of those and I just thinly sliced it and I put it on top of my panna cotta and it was just so beautiful. Oh. What did you put on your panna cotta? Well, so our neighbors have this fig tree and we thought fig season was over, but the, and the half of the tree is basically in our yard. And the neighbors had said, Hey, anytime you guys want figs, feel free to pick them because nice. you know, they just fall on the ground and all that. So we were pulling into the driveway and, and the tree, the half of the tree that's in our yard, my daughter yelled, I thought fig season was over, but there's some figs. And so she picked like five or six figs and they've been sitting on the counter for a little bit ripening. And I saw these figs and thought, you know what? I think figs would work. Cause yeah, it's not blood orange season right now. Um, so I just went with uh, some figs and because of the buttermilk, I thought, it reminded me of, like you said, yogurt. I thought some honey would go nicely with it Ooh. because like we love like a Greek yogurt with honey. So we put drizzled honey and the fresh figs and it was really good. It's really good. And then I did, we did have a grapefruit. So then the, at my daughter had it with figs and honey and don't judge for breakfast. Um, then, no judgment, none. And then she had it with grapefruit for a late night snack. Oh, nice. Yeah. And I asked her, what's better? And she couldn't decide. She said, mm. it's both good. And she said, to be honest, it's, you could, you know, it could be with anything. And my niece was in town and she had it with figs. And then later on, she had it without any fruit and just with, honey and she said you know it's great no matter how we serve it uh we, i was thinking that stone fruit would go great with it but she's actually has a slight stone fruit allergy so oh, we, we okay. didn't put the stone fruit on top um mm -hmm. but my daughter was just in seattle um a couple weeks ago and she said that she's like oh i just had this in seattle but with peaches on it Ooh. um yeah so uh she she had had peach panna cotta and she said that this that was from a restaurant and she said the consistency of this was just like that you know it was really as far as she knew it was panna cotta so you know i it, it just seemed too easy for right? it to be for it to be like this can't be what restaurants do right because <laughs> <laughs> i feel like i'm I feel um, like I'm like exposing my friend. <laughs> You're selling this in a restaurant. Right? This is so easy. Well, no, no, because right, because I mean, how much is like if we were to go to a nice restaurant, right? And they sell this. It's probably like you know, with the fruit and all that on top. It's probably like an eight dollar dessert. 
that's what I was thinking. Eight or nine dollars. <laughs> And they're just sitting in the sitting in the fridge, waiting to be <laughs> like plated. Now, did you? I have to ask. Did you unmold yours and put it on a plate and make it pretty like that, or did you like keep it in like the jar? Like no, you know how you I, it was served in a mason jar, right? And that's one of my like for my my main memories of it is that it was presented like really cute in a mason jar. Yeah. And and so what I did is I poured half of the half of the mixture in mason jars and the other half in the ramekins that we that I got for the um, chocolate fondant cake oh, when yeah, we made yeah. that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I put half of the mixture in those and the other half in jars. And so I said to myself, like, all right, we'll let the ramekins like set overnight mm-hmm. and then we'll eat the, the jarred stuff tonight so mm-hmm. it doesn't have to set. And so the next day I tried to unmold the, <laughs> the ramekins and mm-hmm. I just, I broke. It just went blah. It went everywhere because I tried to run a knife around the rim uh-huh. and I cut I cut into it too much yeah and so the shape was not preserved and it just kind of collapsed yeah so if you if you don't feel lucky like if you don't feel lucky with these things just serve it in the container it's beautiful right the way it is and the mason jar idea is such a such a cute idea I mm-hmm. hadn't thought of that because I do have the perfect size mason jars uh to do that I did mine in ramekins and I really wanted it to look like the picture Mm-hmm. Um, so, it's beautiful in a picture. So it's beautiful. I did run a, a a knife around it, and then what I also read online is that if you sort of uh, dip it, it does say this: dip. It's right here on step four. Dip bottom half of ramekin in hot water for ten seconds. So I did that, and what I did then was, you know, had it on the plate inverted, and then kind of I put a towel, kitchen towel, on my countertop. And then sort of just knocked the whole plate with the ramekin on top against the kitchen top to kind of like nudge it. Mm -hmm. And then also took a back of a spoon and like tapped on the back of the ramekin. Mm -hmm. And I managed to, they managed to come out. Um, My daughter somehow managed to unmold it without any of that. She, she's like, mom, you just kind of like, like, twirl it like she just like sort of put it on her sides and like kind of put it all along the sides of it and that kind of loosened I guess the edges without having to use a knife Hmm. and then she sort of held it at like probably like a 45 degree angle kind of shaking it a little bit and she's like and you can kind of see that it's starting to come and quickly put it on the plate oh wow And, and that's how she did it and it was beautiful because mine had a little bit of knife marks. I'm like, how'd you do that without any knife marks? And, and so then she, she's she, like, just she's don't like, use a knife, mom. Yeah. She's like, well, <laughs> why did you need a knife? But then she was trying to do it for her cousin. So, so her first one, I think was just luck because it just, it, she just was able to do that. And the second one, she's like, oh, this one's not coming out as easily. This one's not. And then she kind of like poked her finger on it <laughs> to loosen and loosen aside. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, and then it came right out, but then there was like a fingerprint in it. <laughs> <laughs> and her cousin was like, really? <laughs> it's homemade. It's homemade. And made I said, at home. I said, I think the knife's better, Emily, <laughs> than, the, than, the, than the fingerprint. Um, but anyway, so, you know, uh, it's, it, it's possible to do. <laughs> But I think the serving in the uh, acute mason jar is probably, you know, the, uh, less stressful and just as cute. 
much less stressful. And if you, I mean, it's a lazy summertime dessert, yeah. you know, so be lazy. I filled up my jars about three quarters of the way and then, and then put fruit in yeah. the last, you know. So were these those little short, like the little, like, uh, four ounce or two, what, how big are these masons? They're the really little ones, right? No, I used um, the next size up. They're the oh. eight ounce one cup ones. Oh, and so... you actually used one cup ones. Okay. Mm -hmm. It's okay. a big portion. And so I just filled it, you know, three quarters of the way and then put in the chopped fruit on top. So, okay. So did, did you get six panna cottas from the one recipe then? Did I? I can't remember. I got, well, see, my ramekins are enormous. They're real big. I was going to say, so got, if you use the ramekins yeah. from the um, mm -hmm. chocolate cake, weren't those like- Those are 10 ounces each. They're huge. And so I used two of those, but I didn't fill them up all the way. And okay. then I used, I think, three jam jars, okay. I think. Yeah. But it should make enough for six portions if you just, you know- Yeah, I made six. Pour them evenly. Yeah, I made six, but I had, I had four ounce- Mm -hmm. I had, yeah, I had, I had four ounce ramekins, which is a half cup. And it does say that you're going to have about a half cup in each. Mm -hmm. um, and what I did was I thought uh, in my head, I'm like, these are going to be served on a plate. So I completely filled the ramekins because I thought mm -hmm. that that would help in terms of the deplating mm -hmm. for it not to crash onto the plate. Right. Because right. I yeah. feel like if it crashes onto the plate is when it might crack. Right. So the fact that it's it's right at the top of the ramekin and your plate is right there, it's really already on the plate. Right? Yeah, there's and no just, distance. Yeah. Right. So I filled mine to the very top, but I happen to have four ounce ramekins. I had four ounce ramekins and I had eight ounce ramekins. I did not mm -hmm. have six ounce ramekins. <laughs> And like I had 10 ounce ones. Okay. So we just don't have the equipment this time around. So I went the four ounce and just filled it all the way to the top. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that that, if you are going to dedicate it and say, I am going to plate these, that that's probably the way to go. Because mm -hmm. like I said, that you won't have that distance between the plate and the uh, panna cotta. Um, but what that does mean is that there isn't room to serve it with stuff on top if you change your mind and decide I'm just going to put the fruit on top. Because, exactly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You can make a sauce, maybe like a just a, a fresh fruit sauce yeah. that you cook down a little bit. That would work too. Yeah. But but if you, if you had like kind of ugly overripe fruit, that would work. Yeah. But there's no but there's no room on top of these. None at all. No. no, you would just have to make a mess. Yeah, it'd be very messy. <laughs> Very it'd messy. be very messy. I mean, if you plate it, like I said, so then just go for it and plate it. Mm -hmm. um, or, but, but as a warning, it's not in my mind. I thought, oh, it'll be like Jello. It's not. It's very gently set with like yes. a little bit of gelatin, not a lot. It's not yes. like wiggle, super wiggly Jello at all. Yeah, yeah. If you buy your gelatin in the packets, it's not even a whole packet. No, it's not. It's yeah. not even a whole packet. And I, have you made a lot of stuff with with ge unflavored gelatin before? I'm not, not a big gelatin user. <laughs> no, so mirror glazes use oh. unflavored gelatin. So mm -hmm. I have, you, you had it at my house once. Um, a caramel apple that that caramel apple entremet that I made once. Um, so beautiful. And it was that caramel uh, mirror glaze on it that required gelatin. Okay. 
So yeah, so I've done, I've done, I haven't done a lot of work with unflavored gelatin. The only thing that I do with gelatin that my kids like is if we're hosting a Super Bowl party or something like that, and we decided to root for a particular team, we will make jello in the team colors and layer it with the sweetened condensed milk in between those layers. Have you ever had that? Yeah. The layer jellos? Yeah. The kids get very excited about that. Uh, that is really cute. I like that. <laughs> but other than that, we're not huge gelatin. Gelatin eaters. <laughs> no. Do you have you ever used the um, what is that leaf gelatin? The kind of stuff that looks like I, clear sheets. I never have. I've seen it though on TV mm-hmm. shows, <laughs> but I I've never done it. I've, I've seen it, it in like a restaurant supply store, and I'm like, well, oh, that's interesting. I should try to you know make something using that ingredient, yeah. but. Like I said, we're not big Jello eaters. It, it just reminds me of cafeterias, you know, like oh, it's Although, just like I'm. It's hospital food to me, right? But, exactly. Yeah, that cafeteria, right? Totally. But um, this is not that at all. No, this is a bowl, and that's why I was so shocked <laughs> <laughs> because this is the fancy eight dollar dessert. This it is. is. This is not with the hospital cafeteria. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean. To be fair, it does have some kind of luxurious ingredients in it. It's got heavy cream and it's got like a pretty good amount of like good buttermilk in it. Yeah. And I, you know, that flavor is amazing. I love buttermilk. I think it's such a great ingredient. Yeah. So I was going to use vanilla extract, but I realized that I was out of that too. Oh, no. Um, So... But luckily, I have this friend, this really cool friend who listens to the podcast, Valerie, gave me, yes, Valerie, she gave me um, some fresh vanilla beans for my birthday, and I've been (gasps) saving them. So, Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, they're vacuum packed. They're so beautiful. I was like, what am I going to use you for? And I thought this would be the perfect way to showcase them. So I finally opened up my vacuum sealed pack of... I think it's eight, eight, so luxurious, eight vanilla beans. Yeah. And because they were sealed in there, they're not like the kind of hard, you know, crispy kind that you sometimes see in the stores. They were fresh and pliable. And so I split one down and I put it right into the panna cotta when I was mixing it up. And it, the flavor was just out of this world. So beautiful. Mm -hmm. Such a, that's so great. I'm glad I saved them for this. This was exactly because it's such a simple recipe, right? Right. So I thought this would be a great way to show it off. Well, thank you, Valerie. Valerie is the one who shared that um, Trader Joe's hack recipe, right? That then I talked about in our viewer questionnaire thing, I think. I've eaten this dip a lot with Valerie, but the recipe was from Christina. Oh, Oh, shoot. I'm getting your friends mixed up. (laughs) I'm getting your friends mixed up. Sorry. Valerie, though. Valerie, this has nothing to do with baking, but Valerie was on jeopardy and she, <gasps> and she won <laughs> oh wow yes and so that's you know my smart friend and she is smart about giving presents so she gave me vanilla beans which i used in this recipe <laughs> wow that is wow she she wanted jeopardy and she gave you vanilla beans i know that's... i know i have the bestest of friends you do you have, <laughs> you have awesome friends <laughs> and when we can all get together again, I'm going to make them panna cotta. Yes, you totally should. 
Stacy, what are we baking next week? So next week we are going to make a chocolate Paris breast cake. And these are those round, this represents the wheel from the cycling race that goes from Paris to Brest. Uh, so it's a Brittany dessert and you might have seen it on the Great British Bake Off. Uh, we're going to do the recipe from Jacques Papin. One of my favorite chefs. Yes. Thanks for baking along with us this week. For links to the recipes and other notes, please check out our website, www.thebakersnotebook.com, or follow us on Twitter or Instagram at Baker's Notebook. You can leave us a voice message on our website if you'd like to be featured on the show. If you bake any of these recipes, please make sure to tag us on social media. We'd love to see what you create. Until next time, happy baking. <laughs>